Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. If you watch the news and consider the current state of the world, it's obvious that we are in desperate need of the Spirit of God. But what is it that creates an atmosphere for His Spirit to move? Is it a perfectly manicured church service or a clever sermon? Is it a big budget and a large campus? Or do we need something deeper? In this week's episode, Pastor Francis Chan explains the powerful change that can take place as we receive the love and mercy of God and extend that love to others. This message was taken from Forerunner Christian Church on May 1st, 2021. A few minutes ago, Pastor Grace mentioned the people in India. And this week, I, I saw a lot of videos and uh so when she mentioned them, I, I, that, that's all I can think about right now. It's very hard to sit in a nice room and listen to a message when you know that there are so many people just grasping for air. Some of these people are our brothers and sisters. I, I just want to do everything I can to help them right now. I remember the first time I went to Africa and I saw these children just looking for food. And they, they would go to the trash and just, just start eating anything they could find. But they, they were such beautiful children. And I, I remember coming back to America after that trip. I, I looked around my house at all of the things that I had. And I kept thinking about those little kids in Africa. And I thought, the Bible says I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And, and I thought, what if those were my children? I would do anything for them. And the Bible says I'm supposed to treat those children like my own. In fact, the Bible goes further than that. Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And he says, what you don't do for them, you don't do for me. I remember telling my wife, I have a hard time looking at my house when I know how these children are suffering. So I asked my wife that day, do you mind if we sell our house? Then we can give more to the people in Africa. We didn't have a real big house, but we just said that we want to do our part. Praise God, I have an amazing wife. She looked at the house and said, wow, I really don't want to leave my house. But if you believe this is what God wants you to do, then let's do it. And that afternoon, we started looking at trailers and a place to live. And it was just such a joyful time in our life to let go of our possessions. And, and then I, I remember taking my wife to Africa. And, and, and uh, I remember I was teaching a lot of pastors there in Africa. And my wife uh, was using her gift. She was taking the children shopping. And she came back and she was just in tears she told me that day how she would see these orphans and their, they, they, their, their toes were going through their shoes. And she, she was just crying as she talked about how humbling it was to buy them shoes and put them on their feet. And ever since then, we've been trying to live a life where we live simply so that we can help other people. Earlier, you, you read the verse from Malachi chapter 3. That when you give, God will open the floodgates of heaven. And, and I remember one time I, I prayed to God. I go, God, how come some of the rich people in the world give so little? I mean, if they really believed in eternity, why wouldn't they live simply on the earth and give everything away? 
And I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, would you raise up a new generation of wealthy people in the church? So material possessions mean very little to them. And at the end of the prayer, I said, God, or you can make me rich and I'll give it all away. The next year, the next year, I made a million dollars. I had never made money in my life. I wrote a book and I didn't know I could write. But for some reason, God gave me a gift. And this book sold millions of copies. And I told my wife, I told God that he gave, if he gave me money, I would not spend it on myself. So I told her, we cannot touch one dollar of that money. All of that has to go to the poor. And it's been the joy of my life to give to those who are in need. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced giving a bowl of rice to someone who wasn't going to eat. There are few things you can do in life that are more exciting than that. I, I remember going back to my church after that trip to Africa. And I encouraged our church, we need to start selling our possessions and giving to these people in Africa. We had people in our churches that were living in their cars so they could give more to the people who were in need. And they would just go to a friend's house and take a shower and sleep in their car. This is here in Southern California. We, we, we even at that time, we were going to build a giant building. And I said, we live in Southern California. Why don't we just meet outside? And we'll just give all the money to the poor. A lot of people got angry at me. People left the church. But a new crowd came in so excited. Because I said, what if the world saw us worshiping in the rain? And they knew we were doing it because we took the Bible literally. And we saw those who were starving overseas like we looked at Jesus. It was the most exciting time in our church's history. As elders, we decided we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we decided that day, let's give away half of all of our offerings from now on to the poor. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we should spend on our neighbor what we spend on ourselves. Our church was never so alive. It was amazing to watch God provide. And I remember going back to Africa years later. And I saw a big school that we had built. And there were hundreds of children in there in uniforms that were being fed and, and being taught. And I tried to just sneak in the back of the school like, because I just wanted to watch the class. But the leader of the class, the teacher saw me and she stopped her class. And she made all the kids turn around and look at me. And she said to these kids, every one of you is sponsored by someone in his church. And then these 200 little kids stood on their chairs and started screaming. I can't tell you what a joy that is. To, to, to know that we as the church had an impact on this whole group of people overseas. And I wasn't going to talk about this today. But when Pastor Grace mentioned the people in India, I thought this is such a great opportunity Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's why I believe that was the most blessed time in our church. Because everyone was thinking about others. That, that's why I believe, you know, at my 25-year anniversary, my wife asked, do you know of anyone happier than us? And I go, I really don't. And she says, I really don't either. I mean, we spend our days giving money away. That's the greatest life ever. 
So I really encourage you to think about what's going on right now. We have an amazing opportunity. In fact, I would like to pray that a spirit of generosity would just fall upon this church in a fresh way. Father, I ask that you give us such a clear picture of what you are like. So when we see your glory and your holiness, we recognize what we have already. That we wouldn't covet the things of this earth because we're so content with you. You are our shepherd. Why would we care about things? We've been saved by the blood of your son. We have a God who promises to love us for all of eternity. God, right now I ask that you open our eyes to how beautiful you are. That we all understand what a treasure we have in you. That we put all of our treasures in heaven so that our heart will be in heaven. Oh God, may a spirit of generosity fall on this church. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now we believe that the Holy Spirit is God himself. And the Bible says that God has placed his spirit in everyone who believes that Jesus Christ died and rose again for their sins. So he says that there's a way that the, the spirit can actually manifest or reveal himself through a person. And he does this for the common good. You know, sometimes we can lose sight of the reason why God gives us his spiritual gifts. See, this is why I love teaching. Because I think, whoa, God, you could actually manifest through me today. I, I was getting excited this morning knowing I was going to share with you. And I was praying. I go, God, I, I want to bless them. I, I want them to really fall in love with you. I want them to leave here with a, a higher view of you. I, I want them to leave this room where they don't care about the things of the world, but that they'd have this inexpressible joy that the Bible talks about. And I think in the flesh, I can't make that happen. But the Bible says there's the possibility that right now his spirit would just work through me. We've probably all heard of demon possession maybe some of you have seen someone who is possessed by a demon the scriptures talk about people who are possessed by demons and are out of control where, where the demon takes over their body and, and and controls their speech suddenly they're not speaking anymore but it's this demon speaking through them now we would all agree that if that happened to me you would be terrified but what should it look like if the Holy Spirit possesses me right now, shouldn't it be at least 
equally as shocking? See, I prayed this morning, go, God, would you do that today? Where somehow I'm opening my mouth, but it's really the Spirit speaking to you. Because many times I have preached in the flesh. I use my mind. I come up with clever stories. I do my studies and put together a good speech. And then I get on a stage and I share that message. And I just feel like in the flesh I'm trying to talk people into something. But what the Bible says about spiritual gifts is that it's the spirit manifesting through me. So I prayed for you this morning. I was on my knees this morning praying for you and praying for this time. I've been preaching for over 30 years. And if I'm honest, I've never seen a real outpouring of the spirit here in America. I I keep dreaming of it. I keep dreaming of this day where I'll be preaching and this power will just come from me. Where people don't walk away going, oh, that was a good message or that was a good story or that was some good teaching from the scriptures. But where floods of people would say, I experienced the Holy Spirit's power today and everything changed. See, I really believe it can happen. I was even wrestling with the Lord today. I go, how come I haven't seen it in America yet? I've asked God with tears. Even today during worship and and while we're waiting on the Lord, I'm saying, God, I don't want to just get up there and teach again. I'm done just teaching nice sermons. I want to see your power fall upon people where they change from the inside out. Where people who have had secrets for years will just be honest and confess them. People that have been living in darkness and doubt, suddenly this light just comes over them. People who are depressed suddenly have this joy that falls upon them. Because I see what God did in Scripture and I go, God, I want that today. I wasn't complaining to God. I told God, I've had a wonderful life. I have seen fruit in ministry. But it's, it's not like what I see in Scripture. And I was thinking about how Jesus went to his hometown. And I believe it's Mark 6, verse 5, maybe, where he says that he couldn't do any miracles there. He did a few miracles, but but very little because they didn't believe. So I began to ask God, do I not believe enough? God, give me more faith. Because if I believe the resurrected Christ is right here on the stage with me, then I would walk up here with so much expectation, thinking, Jesus, what are you going to do today? Is there someone sick here with a disease for years, and you can just immediately heal them? I want to see that because you are the resurrected Christ, and you are right here with me. And you made a promise, Jesus, that I would do the same things that you did, and even greater things than these. So how come I'm not seeing it? How come I, week after week, I'm just giving sermons? Is there a lack of faith in me? Then God, give me more faith. Because there's no time for nice sermons anymore. We are living in a very, very strange time right now. When you look at what is happening all around the world, it's never been like this. 
And like I said, when I see those news, you know, videos where they're just burning bodies and bodies all through India and Brazil, it, it breaks my heart. And I believe this is a new season here in America. You know, there have been other friends of mine that have gotten a lot of prophetic words lately. Over Luke chapter 4 verse 18, which is quoting Isaiah chapter 61. I was reading this the other day, Isaiah 61 verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Remember when Jesus said that and quoted that? He talks about how this has been fulfilled today. I was looking at the verse right before that in Isaiah 60 verse 22. It says, the least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. See, God decided there was going to be a specific time where the Spirit would fall on Jesus for a specific purpose. See, why didn't God do that when Jesus was five years old? Why didn't he do it when he was 16? Most scholars would say that he was somewhere around 30 when, when this happened. It was the start of his public ministry. And, and it was up to God. He says, in, in my time, I'm going to make it happen. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of, of believers that I trust that really believe this is going to happen now. There have been some crazy, amazing biblical prophecies, not biblical prophecies, just that words that, that people have been given that, that point to this very season right now. And so I'm praying, God, I, I want to be a part of it. I feel like I've been preaching for 30 years waiting for this time that it could literally start right now. Where some of you that have heard the word of God your whole life. That right now there would be a new fire in you. That didn't come from your parents. Didn't come from your spouse. Didn't come from your children. But it was in your inner person. I was on my knees praying for that this morning. Because I've led big churches. I've seen thousands of people attend services. If you get a good enough speaker and a good enough program, you can get people in the door. You get a good enough children's program, you can keep people coming. But that doesn't mean that there's a fire inside of them. It doesn't mean that they live for eternity now. It doesn't mean that they believe that, that, that God's power now dwells in them. So that's what I'm praying for. As I prayed about what passage to share with you, I felt like it was 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He starts off, the first word is beloved. It's, it's talking about us being loved. He doesn't start with the command. He addresses them as the beloved. 
See, it's because we are loved that we can start loving each other. See, see like I said, I used, to la- I used to lead a large church. And I could get people in the door to hear the word of God. But to get them to love one another, that, that has to be of the Spirit. Jesus says that, 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 that our love for one another was supposed to prove to the world that he was the Messiah. And it wasn't like in our church that we didn't like each other. It just didn't feel special. We had those friends at our, at our kids' baseball league. Me and the other parents, we were great friends. We had a good time. When, when I used to wait tables at a restaurant, I was very close with all my coworkers. See, people in the world can get along, but inside the church, something supernatural was supposed to happen. There was supposed to be this love where we would sacrifice for each other. And that's the type of outpouring that I'm praying for. He says, beloved, do you know you take that title on in your heart that you are beloved. I'm tempted to uh, just talk about loving each other and assume that you already know that you're loved by God. Because part of me just, I thought about just assuming that you already are um, secure in your love, uh, in Christ's love for you. Because that's the reputation of Pastor Grace and this church, is that it's about your inner life and this, this connection you have with God. But I was thinking about what Jesus said to the church in Sardis in Revelation 3. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Your church has a reputation for knowing Jesus. Praise God for that. When my wife and I and our elders came and met with some of your leaders, our first impression is, wow, these people really love Jesus. So that is the reputation But God said to this church in Sardis, you have a reputation. People say that you're alive, but Jesus says, I look at you and I know you're actually dead. And I thought maybe there are some people here still that just because you're a part of the church, you have a reputation of having this inner life with Christ, but you really don't. Early on in ministry, there were times I faked my my relationship with God. I hid the hypocrisy in my life, and I hid it very well. And I had the reputation of being this this young communicator who was speaking to the youth. But God saw all through that and saw that there was death in me. There was sin that I was hiding. And I had to leave the ministry and just wait tables and work on my relationship with him. And that time prepared me for the next 30 years of my life. It's a terrible, terrible feeling to be holding lies in your soul. It is such an awful feeling to walk in this room and see people dancing. And you, you may be moving externally, but inside you know you're hiding so much. And to feel like there's this barrier between you and God's love. So I prayed this morning that that would be broken if that's some of you. 
so that you can know and experience God's forgiveness. I mean, this is not the time to be hiding sin. This is such a unique season in history. This is the time to come clean so that times of refreshing can come into your life. That's what Jesus was saying. He goes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it was to set people free. But I don't want to try to talk you into something. Like Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. See, it has to be us knowing that we're in right relationship with God that enables us to love one another. That's why he says, beloved. He says, because whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, this is the fruit of being born of God. Like earlier, I, I talked about how my wife and I gave all this money, you know, gave all our money away. The, the thing is, is it's, it's not, it's not I, I hope that doesn't sound like bragging, because to me, I go, gosh, that was just something that was so fun to do. It's, it's this joy that, that, that God gives you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed to a wealth of generosity on their part. It talks about their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty turned into generosity. That somehow these people were very poor. But if you read on, you'll see they were begging, can we please give? Now, Paul wasn't bragging about the Macedonians. Because if you look at that first verse, he goes, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given to the Macedonians. See, this was God giving the Macedonians his grace. And because God gave them grace, they wanted to give everything away. If you're a generous person today, that's nothing to brag about. That's because God put his grace on you. That was a gift that he gave you. If he didn't give you that gift, you would be just as selfish and, and stingy as everyone else. But Paul says, oh, this, these churches in Macedonia, God poured his grace on them. Because even though they were poor, they were giving everything could, they could to the people in greater need. You see, that's why in 1 John, he says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, this is a fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible says that that is what will produce this love for one another. And the, the part I wanna, that I, I love about this is, uh, starting in verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That last verse, verse 12, says no one 
has ever seen God. So no one in this room has ever actually seen God face to face. But then he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Most of you, I'm assuming, are familiar with Isaiah chapter 6, where God is sitting on his throne and there's angels above him. And they're screaming, holy, holy, holy. Now let's say next week you actually brought a friend and your friend does not believe in God. What if when he or she walked into the room, they saw God on his throne? Do you think they would believe then? Right? If they see God in all of his glory, they go, oh, wow, there really is a God. Well, what John says is no one's ever seen him. But if we love each other, then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, so if we really loved each other in this room the way God calls us to, unbelievers would walk in and they would see God's love. See, they're not going to see God on his throne in this sanctuary. But he says this is how powerful our love is. That if we love each other by the power of the Holy Spirit, people will get a glimpse of God. And I believe this is part of the reason we have not seen the outpouring in the church like we should. When you read about that early church, they were devoted to each other. No one believed that his possessions were his own. But they gave freely to one another. There was such a powerful love. And God was in their midst. And then great miracles started taking place. I want to see miracles. But what I read of scripture is those miracles are largely dependent on our love for one another. That when we love each other the way that Christ called us to, I really believe the power of God will be unleashed. So I'm praying for that, for this church, that all those one another's in scripture would be true of Forerunner Church, because I missed that for many years as a pastor. We had thousands of people in our church. There was a lot of excitement in the church, but we didn't see power like I see it in scripture. And I think that was largely because I wasn't calling the church to love each other. The church was a place that people went and experienced a service. And then they went home till next week. That's not a church. The Bible calls us to be a family. And we believe there are great days ahead at Forerunner Church. But it's going to be centered upon this love for one another. We believe it can happen where there's no one in need in this entire place. Just like it was in the early days. People didn't hide in a service they lived in communities as families, and as they did that, God abided with them, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm going to pray that a spirit of love would fall upon us. As Americans, we like our privacy. When I first started my church uh, 25 years ago, I wanted a place where people could just kind of come in have, you know, interact with God and then go home. Because that's what I wanted. I had enough friends. I, I don't really like to be that close to people. And so I made a church where you could slip in, experience God, and then go home. Because that was the kind of church that I wanted. 
And it wasn't until years later I realized that's not the kind of church that God wants. And it was so hard to change everything because it's hard to love each other because we're all sinners. And we'll start to see the ugliness in each other's lives and we'll confront the sin in each other's lives. That's why Thanksgiving is difficult every year. There's just conflict in families when you're close. But this is what God wants. So we fight for it and his blessing will be upon it. So let me pray for us. Father, you call us your beloved. I pray for anyone in this room who does not believe that they are loved by you. Would you mysteriously open their hearts right now and let them know that they are loved by you. That they would be born of you. You said that those who are born of you would love so, Father, would you pour your love out into this congregation? May this week be different. Even as we leave today, may we look at each other with new love. Oh, God, I pray that this was not just another sermon, but that you would truly pour your power out upon these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks.